What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Mayalari. So tonight, this is really just another one of my episodes where I come in without really a general plan, and I'm just coming in and talking sports, as I've done now the last two or three episodes with uh, no real plan coming into it. There's some big sports games tonight. Northeastern Basketball was hosting Harvard. Northeastern 0-2 on the year playing Harvard tonight at home at Matthews Arena. Ended up losing in that game 70-69, to lost by one. Uh, that game was on Ness, and I checked it out for a few minutes. Uh, Northeastern was down when I was checking it out, so I thought maybe turning it off might give them some luck. They still ended up losing the game by a point, unfortunately. Uh, had a chance at the buzzer. Uh, Coleman Stuka had a shot. Uh, with just about four seconds to go uh, as the buzzer expired, uh, and he ended up missing it. Northeastern losing the game by one, unfortunately. But a positive note for Northeastern is Jamil Telford. Continue his, his great season so far, played great. 23 points, 9 to 17 shooting, 4 9 from 3, 6 rebounds, 3 assists uh, in 36 minutes of action with a steal. Besides that, the Northeastern really hasn't gotten too much scoring from the rest of their team, and that's a problem. I mean, the, the depth scoring wise. Uh, is going to be an issue for this team. Harold Woods at 13 points, 6 and 9 shooting, and then Colin Stuka at 13 points, a 5 14 shooting, 3 and 9 from 3. But besides that, no one else scored in double digits. And Chris Doherty, I don't know what happened to him, must have got hurt early in the game when I wasn't watching. Uh, only played three minutes of the game, was 0 for 1 from the floor with no points and no rebounds. Didn't record a single statistic besides being 0 of 1 uh, from the floor. So, not the best, obviously, for Northeastern. Uh, they did. Obviously, shoot a little bit better in the first half. In the second half, they did in the first half. Forty-five point seven percent from the floor in the second half versus forty-one percent in the first half. Uh, as a Harvard, though, uh, it's a good win for them. At the end of the day, uh, crosstown rivals very similar uh, talent on both teams, so it's always a good battle competitiveness wise. Uh, but they were dominated. Uh, they dominated the glass and also dominated shooting wise as well. Uh, in the glass, they won uh, a thirty-three to thirty-one was the ratio of. Uh, rebounds versus, uh, for Northeastern versus Harvard, but they dominated the offensive boards. 11 offensive boards for Harvard to Northeastern's just seven, and they were just unreal all game. Uh, if you look at it, or it's the other way around, actually. Northeastern dominated the offensive glass. Harvard really struggled uh, for the most part on the offensive glass, but they were just led by Chris Ledlam. He had a great game, 29 points, 12 of 17 shooting, 3 of 5 from 3, 2 of 5 from free throw from the free throw line, 4 rebounds uh, with a couple blocks and 28 minutes of action. Uh, I apologize if I'm mixing up uh, the box scores here. Um, but from what I saw, the Northeast found themselves down in the game and just do, don't have, do not have enough consistency on offense, and that's going to be a problem for them this season, as it was last year. I mean, they really only had Shaq Walters and Jason Strong last year uh, with Jamil Telfit, and now obviously with Shaq Walters going to play overseas and Jason Strong not using his last year eligibility, they really just left with Telfit this year for scoring-wise. So that's tough for them, obviously, to start the year. Um, going up against a very competitive opponent, Harvard, you know it's going to be a close game. Harvard was favored by two points. Uh, Northeastern ended up covering that, uh, only losing by one. Uh, but at the end of the day, tough game for Northeastern. Uh, obviously, they wish they won that game. Now they're 0-3 on the year, uh, unfortunately. And now they're going to have some tough games coming up. Uh, they play Syracuse on Saturday at 4 o'clock at Syracuse. That'll be a hard game. And then they play in the Manhattan. They play in Manhattan in either Army or Princeton in the London Basketball Classic on Thanksgiving on this coming Thursday at 12 o'clock. Uh, and then the following Saturday, so the Saturday right after Black Friday, they'll be playing against either Army or Princeton uh, in that tournament. And then after that, they'll return home after Thanksgiving break. And we'll be playing Georgia Tech at Georgia Tech on December 2nd, Friday at 7.30. So that's four tough games right there. It's a tough stretch. Obviously, Syracuse is a tough game. Georgia Tech's a tough game. And then 
Um, yeah, Princeton, probably a tough game realistically. Uh, so tough stretch there for Northeastern. And the next game I could probably go to for them is maybe December 10th, a Saturday at 2 o'clock, uh, since their next game after this one at home after tonight is December 4th, Sunday, 2 o'clock for Georgia State. And with the Giants playing on that day, it'll be a hard game for me to pass up. Uh, missing the Giants game. It'd be hard for me to pass up a Giants game uh, for a Northeastern basketball game at 14, even though I love Northeastern basketball. Uh, they struggled against Providence on Saturday at Providence. It was an 8 o'clock game on Fox Sports. Lost that game 89-65. to It's always going to be hard going against Providence, but Northeastern showed a lot of fight in that first half. Only went down 38-36 at halftime, and then outscored 51-29 to in the second half. Uh, Coleman Stuke had a very good game, probably the best game for Northeastern overall. 17 points of 5-9 shooting from 3 and 6-12 from the floor. Jamel Telfit struggled shooting-wise, 0-3 from 3, 4-13 from the field, and 30 minutes of action with 11 points. Uh, as for Providence, they just have too much talent overall. That's a hard thing for Northeastern uh, to compete with. Jared Bynum has had 21 points off 8-12 shooting from the floor, 2-3 of three from 3. Uh, and then also uh, Noah Lockers had 13 points, 5-11 shooting from the floor, and 30 minutes of action. And they also got a lot of help in the offensive glass uh, with four offensive boards from Bryce Hopkins, who had 11 rebounds overall, seven defensive, four offensive, uh, and had 10 points with a steal. So he did double-double uh, in the game. So very impressive win there uh, for Providence, considering they found themselves only up by two at halftime. They also got Northeastern by 22 in the second half. Got the win. Tough loss for my Northeastern Huskies. But at the end of the day, hopefully they recover well on Saturday in Syracuse. Northeastern played Syracuse actually a few years ago, a couple of years ago now, uh, and actually gave them a game. Only lost that game on December 16th of 2020. Lost that game 62-56 to at the Carrier Dome. Uh, it was an afternoon game, I believe. A Wednesday afternoon game at 3 o'clock. Uh, Northeastern was led in that game uh, by Jamil Telfit. He had 16 points off 3 or 4 shooting from 3. 5 and 9 from the floor with 6 turnovers. That was a tough game from turnovers-wise. Shaq Walls had 5 turnovers in that game. Northeastern had 21 turnovers as a team that game. Uh, Tyson Walker, their star player, who now plays for Michigan State, only had 7 points in that game. So... That was obviously tough for Northeastern losing that game by six. They showed a lot of fight. They were only down by one point at halftime, then outscored. They were outscored by five points uh, in the second half. But it was 32-31 at half. As you can see, Northeastern stays close to a lot of good teams like Providence. Only went down by two at halftime on Saturday. Following themselves only down by one against Syracuse two years ago at the Carrier Dome. They ended up losing the game in the second half. But I think they'll be in this game. I think Northeastern could be in this game. Not sure what the line's going to be. Uh, not sure... You know what my what my prediction is going to be at the end of the day. When I get predictions, it seems like it never really works out. So not going to have a prediction for the game probably. Uh, but hopefully Northeastern stays in the game. Obviously, I'm always rooting for them uh, to do good things. As you guys know, I'm a big Northeastern uh, hockey fan, a Northeastern basketball fan, and Northeastern baseball fan. So everything Northeastern I'm a fan of. Uh, now I'm going to move on really quick to BC basketball. Uh, I'm going to have Mike Hurley, the sports guru, come on at some point uh, to talk about UMaine basketball. Me and him, big UMaine football fans and UMaine basketball fans. We're just UMaine super fans in general. Uh Big Black Bears super fans. Uh, obviously, with their football program, we saw them play at BC uh, on a Saturday night in September, September 17th. That game was a great game to be at. Uh, Maine was was in the game the whole game. Uh, we also sat right by the main fan section. So it was a pretty cool atmosphere. They had a lot of fans, actually, and they were pretty electric, brought some energy. Uh, great, energetic crowd. Uh, they were very into it. It was entertaining uh, to watch the game and also seeing their reactions when Maine had that big, like, 85-yard kick return, almost returns to the house. That was very uh, exciting to see, especially considering, even though I'm a BC football fan, I'm rooting for BC. 
at the end of the day, I'm a football fan too at the same time, so I'm rooting for you know, a sick play to happen. At the end of the day, uh, I'm rooting for the game of football as well. And I thought that kick return uh, by the kick return to Fort Main uh, was unreal. So me and my crew, we gave him uh, the credit he deserves. The sports guru will be on hopefully at some point tonight to talk about that game. Uh, but BC Basketball, uh, they are going to be playing in the Paradise City uh, Tournament, which I'm going to preview that really quick. Uh, they're the only Power 5 school in the whole tournament, so hopefully BC can get a win in that. Uh, it is called the Paradise Jam in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Uh, so the Paradise Jam uh, Tournament, BC will be playing George Mason on Friday night uh, on ESPN3 at 8 o'clock. Uh, and then we'll either be playing Belmont or Tarleton State on Saturday or Sunday. And then if they were to win that game and win both of them, they would be playing on Monday, I believe, in the championship game. Uh, as for George Mason and how the basketball team has been doing this year, going to give a quick preview of that game really quick. They had 2-1 and one on the year, lost to Auburn by 18 on opening night. Not a bad loss to play uh, at Auburn, only losing by 18, considering Auburn's the number 15 team in the country. Then they beat Longwood by 14, and then beat American University by 17. So they're coming up two big wins, 17 and 14. Uh, or more than that, actually. No, it's 14. 17 and 14, coming off two big wins there for them. So 31 point combined uh, points in their two victories. As for BC, coming off a bad loss to UMaine. Uh, that was a tough loss to BC basketball. 69-64 on Monday night. Uh, it was a 6 o'clock game, so I ended up not being able to go. We had a 6 o'clock intramural basketball game. I hit a couple threes in that, so it ends up being worth it uh, to miss the BC basketball game. But... Uh, BC ended up playing at that 6 o'clock uh, window, and I had intramurals at 6, so 6 to 7 I had the game, and then I had class for my sports uh, digital, like covering sports in the digital age class, which is about covering sports in the digital age, basically the way it sounds, that's what the class is about, covering sports uh, as a beat writer and tweeting things out, and writing articles and promoting it online and doing a podcast, that's what the whole class is about with uh, Chris Cotillo, he's great at what he does, check him out on MassLive.com, he's a Red Sox beat writer for them, uh, for MassLive.com, and then also check out his Twitter as well, uh, he's always doing great things, uh, he's very entertaining uh, to follow. Anyways... As for UMaine, though, I end up going to class from 7 to 9, so I end up missing uh, that UMaine game. UMaine ended up winning the game 69-64. They found themselves up by 34-30. They found themselves up by 4 points at half. Then outscored BC in the second half, 35-34, winning the game 69-64. UMaine now 2-1 on the year. Uh, and UMaine, honestly, that was a big win for them. That's a big win for UMaine basketball. Considering, at the end of the day, if you look at it, I mean, BC basketball, they had more to lose than UMaine basketball. You made basketball playing BC at the end of the day and realistically probably going in just saying, you know, if we lose, we lose. And BC also paid them $90,000. $90,000 BC paid to get you made at BC at Conti Forum for that home game. And then BC ends up beating them. I mean, BC ends up, ends up losing. Maine ends up beating them. So that's a bad loss to BC basketball. 69-64 win. Huge win for you, Maine. Uh, they're now 2-1 on the air. They'll be playing Columbia on Friday, November 18th, uh, at home at 7 o'clock at UMaine. Uh, they'll be playing in their home uniforms. I saw today on their Instagram, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, their white uniforms that are pretty cool. Uh, that was a big win for UMaine. Huge win. They never trailed in the game at all. UMaine never trailed. And that was BC's first loss against American America East team since 2015. BC's first loss... To an America East team since 2015. That's ridiculous. I mean, BC basketball, you gotta beat you gotta beat these teams you should be beating. When you have to play ACC games, it's gonna be very hard. It's gonna be really hard now to play in the ACC when you have to play teams like North Carolina or Duke when you're losing games to UMaine. 
you can't lose games to UMA at the end of the day, even though I love the, the basketball program, I'm high on them. That was the Black Bears' first win against a Power 5 school since 2010-2011. Their last win against a Power 5 school since the 2010-2011 season. And BC only beat Cornell by two points in opening night, and then beat Detroit Mercy by four points on that following Friday. So combined six points in their two victories against Cornell and Detroit Mercy, two schools they're favored against by 10-plus points, I believe, at 9-plus points. And in both those games, BC trailed with a minute or two to go. So at the end of the day, I saw something was not going the right direction with BC basketball at the end of games in those two wins, even though they end up getting wins. At the end of the day, things go the opposite way, and they end up losing. And it's honestly tough to see because these are two wins BC should have. They should be 3-0 realistically right now. But congratulations to UMaine and a great win. Chris Mockwood, former BC assistant coach, former longtime Northeastern assistant coach, made the move from BC to UMaine, is now their head coach for the basketball program at UMaine, and he's doing great things already. They're 2-1, getting their first Power 5 win since 2010-2011, and hitting BC their first loss to an America East team since 2015. So very impressive win uh, for them. They were dominated. Uh, BC was dominated, though, by UMaine uh, offensively. Rebounds-wise, 38-33, UMaine out-rebounded BC. 38-33. And if you look at it shooting-wise, UMaine was 5-16 from three. BC... 5 of 18 from three. So you made it better from the three-point line, shooting 31.3% to BC's 27.8%. You made it shooting 44.8% from the floor to BC's 41.4%. And the big difference is you made consistency. 13 of 29 from the floor in the first half, 13 of 29 from the floor in the second half, shooting 44.83% from the floor the whole game. BC shot 33.33% in the first half to 50% in the second half, so they obviously improved in the second half. But with one of six from three, shooting 16% from the three, uh, it was BC in the second half. And they shot 11 of 19 from the free throw line, including 6 of 12 from the free throw in the first half. So 50% from the free throw line in the first half and 11 of 19 overall in the game. They were 57.8% from the line. UMaine, very good free throw shooting team. They were 4 of 5 in the first half, 8 of 10 in the second half, 12 of 15 from the free throw line. Uh, they were 80% overall. So very impressive win for UMaine. And here's the thing about UMaine basketball. And I said this to Mike Curley, the sports guru. UMaine followed themselves up in the game the whole game. They never trailed. But the difference between UMaine basketball and BC basketball was that UMaine was hitting free throws. So I said to Mike, if UMaine finds themselves up in this game by two or three points with a minute to go, they're winning this game. Because not only are they not playing, they're playing great defense. Not only can they play defense, and then not only are they getting ready for rebound, out-rebounding BC 38-33, but they're also playing unreal from the free throw line. 12-15 from the free throw line, overall 80% from the line. BC was shooting 56% from the free throw line, 57%. You can't have that as a Power 5 school. BC has to be better. I know they have their injuries. DeMont Langford, that was his first game back at 28 minutes of action. 4-5 from the floor. 1-3 from 3. 5 points overall with a steal and a block. Uh, and also had 2 assists. He ended up leaving the game with a cramp. Uh, but you're still missing a couple pieces, obviously. You're missing uh, Quinton Post. That's a big miss. And then also, obviously, in that game, did not have Prince of Ligbay, the freshman forward who's had a great season so far. But BC basketball needs to win uh, that game. As for some positives, Makai Ashley-Lankovic played very well. Uh, it was 0-4 from three, so not a great game for the three-point line, but seven rebounds, four, uh, uh, four fouls, so he did play aggressive uh, with an assist, two steals at 18 points, shooting 6-7 from the free throw line and 6-17 from the floor. And then Jaden Zachary, 5-12 from the floor, 2-4 from three and 13 points uh, overall. So, and the best way to say it is every dog has his day. So my mother always said, so my dad always said, and I learned that at a very young age. 
Every dog has its day and has his day. At the end of the day, you made had their day against BC. Kelvin Tynes was great from the floor. Had a big steal with a minute to go. Uh, got you made an extra possession. Had 10 rebounds, including 17 points, 2 steals, a block, 5 assists. 5 of 6 on the free throw line, 6 of 15 from the floor in 36 minutes of action. Jashante Wright-McLeish in 30 minutes of action. 5 of 8 from the floor, 2 of 5 from 3 with 3 rebounds and 12 points with 2 steals. And then also, uh, they had a lot of consistency on the rebounds. I mean, they had one, two, three, four guys with five plus rebounds. Four guys, including the Hungarian forward, which I'm probably going to butcher the names. So I'm not going to say completely, but uh, Jetty uh, starts with the last name J. I'm not going to try to uh, mess it up. It's a tough name to say, obviously, so my apologies. But he was great in their game. Uh, against Nebraska, it was six of seven from three. Uh, I believe it was with twenty points. And then against BC, though, the other night struggled on the offensive end, one of seven from the floor, zero of two from three. It was two of two from the free throw, four rebounds uh, on the off- defensive end, one offensive, so five rebounds overall. Did have a block and four points. Uh, they probably expect a little bit more out of him overall, uh, considering he had four points uh, with five rebounds. He's typically given them more on a given on a given night, but uh, they also had enough to win the game. And congratulations to Humane uh, on a great win. As a BC, as I said, they'll be traveling uh, to Paradise to the Paradise Jam tournament, playing against George Mason. As for George Mason, uh, I'm very impressed uh, with what they've done this season, being two and one. They're scoring a lot of points per game. They were averaging right now 69.3 points per game uh, and also shooting 47.2% uh, from the floor and also 40.6% from three as a team, which is very impressive. Uh, so now I'm going to break down a couple of their players uh, to keep your eye on. Uh, some of their best players, I'm just going to give you a couple names right now. Uh, Victor Bailey Jr., after 15 points a game, shooting 50% from the three-point line, 83% from the free throw line uh, with 4.3 rebounds per game and also a couple steals on the year. And then uh, Josh Oduro. Uh, averaging 13.7 points per game, 61% from free throw line. So he's struggling from the free, free throw line, but two of three from three, 56% from the floor, averaging seven rebounds a game. So I apologize for that inconvenience there, but there you go. There's a couple guys to keep your eye on for George Mason. As a PC, they got to get better free throw shooting, got to get more consistent with the three-point line, and they also need a little bit more help on the defensive end rebounding line, especially considering he made a rebound BC 38-32. to BC's got to be better than that. So we'll see what happens obviously on Friday at 8 o'clock. Uh, George Mason will be the home team for that game. I believe it looks like. Even though it's at Paradise Gym, you know, the tournament, everyone's taking the away team since it's a neutral site. But at the end of the day, uh, BC has to get a win no matter what. Now I'm to update you guys on a couple of Mac football games really quick before I get Mike Curry, the sports guru, live on air to talk about UMaine basketball. As you guys know, as I said multiple times now, we're both UMaine football fans. We are. We're both UMaine football fans. I've talked about it now multiple times in the show. And now we're UMaine basketball fans. So it's pretty cool, obviously, uh, being a fan of you know other schools besides just Northeastern and BC. I like, obviously, having uh, a lot of teams to support, as you guys know. I, I like the Dodgers. I like the Clippers. I like the Red Sox. I like the Bruins. I like the uh, uh, Central Michigan Chippewas football team. I, mean, I like a million teams. Uh, if you couldn't tell already, Northeastern hockey, Northeastern basketball, Northeastern baseball. I like a million teams. So having UMaine be in that group is pretty cool. And they've been playing great. Uh, obviously, considering the two and one in basketball right now, and football record wise, I'm having the best year. But they hustle very hard, and I and I like the way that team plays. They play very quick uh, to their feet, and they also give it their all always. So, really quick, Central Michigan four and six on the year, hosting Western Michigan tonight. It is a snow game. That game is pretty electric right now to watch. I have it live on air right now uh, while I'm talking to you guys. Right now, it is seven to seven uh, at halftime. Central Michigan being four and six on the year came in with high expectations. If they want to make a bowl game, they got to win tonight. 
You got to go six and six to make a bowl game. They got to win tonight and win next week. Right now, Bird Emmanuel Jr. is their quarterback. Uh, Daniel Richardson uh, was hurt a few weeks ago, and uh, Bird Emmanuel Jr. has been their quarterback now for the past few weeks. Uh, he's three of three passing wise with thirty two yards, ten carries to eighty yards, and a touchdown. Lou Nichols the third only has three carries to six yards. It's very uh, you know underwhelming to see, especially considering he's one of the best running backs in all college football. Uh, as for Western Michigan. Uh, They've been led on offense by Sean Tyler, 16 carries, 149 yards, and a touchdown. They only have four passes uh, completed on the in the game, four of nine for 40 yards. Obviously, with the snow, it's going to be a heavy passing game. Uh, and as you can tell, considering there's only 72 passing yards combined between the two teams, but 239 total yards from Western Michigan to Central Michigan's 127, it's going to be a low-scoring game, especially in that snow. Kent State tonight, 4-6 on the air, hosting Eastern Michigan, another team that came in with high expectations on the year. Uh, currently finds themselves down 24-17 to Eastern Michigan at home in the fourth quarter, six minutes to go. Eastern Michigan's been led by Taylor Powell, the quarterback, 30-39 passing, 315 yards and three touchdowns. He's also got three carries for 21 yards. Samson Evans, 28 carries, 81 yards. And Dylan Drummond, a wide receiver for uh, Eastern Michigan, having a very good game, seven catches for 97 yards. And Tanner Crew, or uh, Tanner New, excuse me, uh, has five catches for 77 yards and two touchdowns. So impressive game. For Eastern Michigan's offense, as for Kent State, Colin Schley, 6-12 passing for 150 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and then Marquez Cooper, 17 carries for 59 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Devontez Walker has four catches for 86 yards. Uh, Kent State's number one wide receiver. Uh, Kent State finds themselves down seven right now with Eastern Michigan on the nine-yard line going in for another score with six minutes to go. And then the last game we're going to talk about really quick is the Miami Red Hawks, the Miami of, of Ohio is playing Northern Illinois tonight. Miami, Ohio is 4-6 and six on the year, and Northern Illinois is 3-7 three, three and seven on the year. So four wins, six losses for Miami. Three and seven, three wins, seven losses for Northern Illinois. As in Northern Illinois, they've really just been carried by Jaden uh, Creedle all night, 13 carries, 87 yards. Uh, as for Miami, Ohio, um, Evian Smith, the quarterback, 8 of 17 passing, 104 yards with 13 carries, 35 yards, and two touchdowns. He is both of the touchdowns for Miami tonight. Anyways, I'll keep you guys updated on what happens in those games. Now I'm going to try to get the sports guru, Mike Hurley, to come on and talk some football. Uh, we'll probably talk uh, some BC football, maybe some Patriots football, uh, with the Patriots having a big game this coming weekend against the Jets, um, which I believe it's the Jets. Let me see. I just want to make sure here. Make sure I'm right. It is Jets-Patriots on Sunday at 1 o'clock. I got it right. At New England. So the Patriots are 5-4 and four in the air. Currently on a playoff spot in the AFC. Jets are 6-3. That'll be a big game. We'll probably preview that. We'll also talk some UMaine basketball. Going to get him on right now. Here he is, the sports guru, uh, Mike Hurley, live on air. Here we go. How are we doing, Mike? Pretty good. Thank you for coming on. appreciate it. Short notice here, but you made it happen. I was maybe supposed to make an appearance last night. I apologize. No worries at all. No, I'm happy you're on now. Obviously, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, we can talk about UMaine basketball to start, talk some bees, talk the Patriots. What do you want to start with? Oh, we got to start with the guys who are making us a little fatter in the pockets. UMaine basketball. Absolute dogs. All right, we'll start with UMaine basketball. Uh, obviously, me and you, big UMaine football fans. We like the way they play. We like the fight. We obviously I, uh, like their fan I section. As a UMaine hockey. I like their jerseys. They got the blue on blue with the script Maine. Black You're right. Blues. You were an original. I, at the end of the day, I do value your sports opinion just as high as I do anyone else's. Uh, you and my dad both up there. And I ran into a guy one time at L Street putting like air in the tires of a moped. He said he played UMaine hockey and that Brooks Orpik on BC checked him in a game versus BC and like lacerated his spleen or something. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. I don't know uh -oh. who the guy was, but 
Yeah, no, it's a tough play. Obviously, Brooks Orpik, big guy, too. But um, who was the UMaine hockey player? You and uh, my dad. Oh, Korea. Kids of? Yes, Korea, right? The greatest college hockey player ever. That's it. 100 points in a, Pauly, like, huh? his freshman year or something. Yeah, he's unbelievable. Yeah, you guys are big fans of him. You, you and my dad both loved him. Um, but I think Pretty he sure he's a Hall of Famer. I think he was a point-per-game guy in the NHL, too. Not even a big guy. So, Paul yeah, Korea. You made, hey, you made baseball. Put on the map by Jeremy Pena, World Series MVP for the Astros. I mean, come on. You made sports is at its highest peak right now. <laughs> yeah, underrated. Under the radar. They are. At the end of the day, me and you... We always say it's the eye test. We saw something in that UMaine football team. They played with hot and fight. We saw something there. We saw something there. You, it it all sports. started with that, that run back that should have been. Oh, kick return. That was taken to the house. You put that touchdown no matter what. Questionable. I don't know. Yeah, no, they blew that whistle too early. You let him keep going. If he has a 60, you know, it would end up being a 68 yard return. But if he ends up, you, if he has a 93 yard return, he went through six guys, give him the touchdown. Hand him it. Yeah. He deserves yeah. it. That was an electric <laughs> moment. That was up yep. there with the Mikey Walker moment. <laughs> they have some intense fans, too, at the games, covering the spread. The ha-ha. Ha-ha. So funny. <laughs> that guy was a beast. Wait till Clemson comes in here. <laughs> Wait till Clemson comes in. Yeah, that guy was mad funny. But uh, you're right, though. They, they had some passionate fans. And I think that obviously played into the environment. I would say that play, that kick return, top six moment in alumni stadium. Electric we've had some, some pretty history. awesome kick returns uh, that we've seen. Mikey yeah. Walker, number one. Of Michael course. Walker, of course. Uh, we also had some big T. Higgins Dylan took runs. one to the house. Same T. Game. Higgins too. Yep. Um, we we have we saw some good ones, but where would you put this ranking wise? Top five uh, most electric play while we've been at Alumni Stadium together. I would put it in there. Top five. I, yeah, it's probably up there. Special teams is always ripe for a little excitement. It was an electric moment. Uh, it obviously you know <laughs> was the birth of me and you being a UMaine football fan. Now obviously you liked UMaine hockey, and now we're yeah, UMaine basketball fans. I think, fan. think Holy Cross got on the board with the touchdown. They did pretty... blocked punt. It was sick. We, we yes, love that yeah, play too. Yeah. Another special teams play. You're right, though. You always say it, right? That Colin Howard always says that the way that you. Oh, so Felga says this. Yeah. Felga says, okay, it's not Howard. The way a small school beats a big school yeah. is the way a small team beats a big team. You need special teams plays, just like you need to hit your free throws. You made best with <laughs> your free throws. You got oh, your yeah. free throws. Hit the glass a little bit. I saw they grab some uh, offensive rebounds at the end of the game to ice yep. it. 38-32, the out-rebound of BC. Very impressive game. Shot 80% from the free-throw line. Uh, and then also consistently outscored BC. They never they never trailed in the game. You yeah. made best when they trailed. Yeah, I think my biggest upset pick, the Oral Roberts. I read yes. about them. It was the coach made them all take like 5,000 um, free-throws in the offseason. So they are all just money from the line. Every time they got to the line, they were making them. So they... What, they beat Ohio State, Florida State, should have beat the... Uh, Arkansas, should have beat Arkansas, them. yeah. They were right there. That was a cheap call, too. We got hit. A um, couple tough calls there. but It's just uh, like your margin for error is small when you're an underdog team always. in any sport. So you got to bag all the freebie points. And then on special teams, instead of taking fair catches, you got to try to make a play. Always. you got to capitalize when you're a small school. And that's what Oral Roberts, they shot free throws, and that's what you made it. You made it was 12-15 from the free throw line, 80% from the line. Yeah. BC shot 57%. Citadel. Citadel. Citadel on Alabama. I mean, that they're running electric. the option. That was electric. Uh, yeah, what's up with that, though? If BC Bass was shooting 58% from the free throw line, you got to be better than that. 58% from I mean, the line? You, you called it. You said they should be in the gym shooting free throws. Apparently, you should be the coach. I, I, at this point, I mean, hey, me and you both can get in and we can turn the football. I think we, we could have spots on the team. I've seen some 30-year-old guys <laughs> on the team. I can make I can make better than six <laughs> out of ten free throws, I think. Drill some threes. Can you give me a couple hours in the gym? Why not? Why not at this point? I mean, could you both of us out there? But um, 
so about UMaine, we're gonna I'm gonna give a quick preview of how this you know came to be. You made basketball of us being fans, and shout out to Timmy Loftus really quick. He's already texting about Orno Maine. Love to see it. He's a big UMaine super fan. Seems like too. Uh, seems like everyone's now UMaine fans. I mean, you birth, you started, you were the birth of it, and now everyone else is just UMaine fans. I became one what's, with you. Yeah, what's not to like? <laughs> Here's the thing. So. UMaine's bus drove by me the other day. I was walking uh, by the reservoir, and UMaine's uh, basketball bus drove by me at about 4.30. I texted uh, the sports guru, Mike Hurley, a video of the UMaine bus driving by me, and I said, hey, UMaine basketball's playing BC tonight, right? Just messing around. Mike texts, I might take UMaine to cover. Respectfully, I said, hey, BC only beat Detroit Mercy by four points and Cornell by two. And both those games, they trailed him in the last minute to go. And BC can't shoot free throws. So I said, at the end of the day, and they're very poor shooting free throws, I should say, because they should be better. But I said, at the end of the day, that's not a bad bet. That's not a bad bet. Then he says, plus 1,500 money line. Right? On the road, underdog. On the road. 20-point dog. 20-point underdog. We knew that spread was going to be money, and then even money line, too. You were confident them winning the game the whole time. You never wavered. You knew they were winning that game. <laughs> I should have done this for Oral Roberts. They were plus 10,000 on Brewer. I know. Something I, crazy. I know, honestly. Like, and neither one of us are betting guys. We don't bet at all. And I'm coming on it. It probably makes it seem like we bet a lot. We don't. Uh, but at the end of the day, that was just my only bet that I've ever really won. I don't really bet often. And that was a win. Obviously, you started with a money line. I wanted to spread. And we both made some money off it. That were big humane. We were humane guys anyways. And that was just even more. But, I love it. Love to see it. Uh, and what was the one most impressive thing about you made basketball? Was the rebounding? Must have been the rebounding. I, it's got to be the rebounding because that's like – you know, small school, big school. I mean, yeah, small school, big school, like literally having bigger, stronger players, you know, athletes. Exactly. And they uh, out rebounded them. And now you yeah. made two and one on the year. They're not going to be underdogs probably again for a little bit. Playing Columbia Friday, they'll probably be favored. It's good. Good um, to see. And Kellen Tynes was electric in that game 17 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. Had a big steal at the yeah, end. What division does uh, Maine play in? Like, division like, one. They have a. Would they have a tournament East. bid if they win there? Uh, they're going to win the America East. So, like, yeah. Hotfit and all those schools, I think, is in that. And uh, maybe UMass Lowell, too. Lowell and uh-huh. Hotfit and uh, Fairfield. I think it's that division right there. Okay. Um, so, yeah. they obviously got a ways to go. But, I mean, hey, if they make it, how far does UMass make it? If they go to the, if they go to March Madness out of the <laughs> depends, round 64. Depends on the seed. Depends on the bracket. But maybe Maine. Coming out of the East, Sweet 16. <laughs> Why not? Hey, it sounds crazy now to some people. At the end of the day, you had Oral Robbins in your bracket winning the two games they won. I took the Sweet Oral 16. Robbins to the Sweet 16. By the time they got there, I wanted them to you know, keep it going. And yeah, we didn't care them. about the bracket the other day. We, they actually legitimately could have won that. So I, I, I didn't just have them full. I had them making it through the whole first weekend, and they did. And, and they, they did. should have kept going. It was a great last-minute three. Had a good look. You know. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, they look pretty good. Um, but that was hard. That was hard, obviously. Um, yeah. And obviously, yeah, UMaine basketball is a good win, uh, obviously. And neither one is a bet. I'm not, I'm not promoting betting. Neither one of us bet at all. It was just this one game. If nothing else. We both felt the main, the main hockey uniforms, so you can become a fan because they look cool. Exactly. So we weren't really betting just because we wanted to bet. Uh, we're not really gamblers, but at the end of the day, we saw UMaine basketball being 20-point underdogs, and me and you both like the UMaine football program, so we said, why not? At the end of the day, it ended up working out, uh, which is pretty cool. So big win there uh, for UMaine, obviously. And now uh, we can transition uh, to the Bruins, or we can talk about BC football. BC football obviously had a big win against NC State this weekend. Huge win, yeah, yeah. Uh, might as well touch on that. I, yeah, let's talk I didn't about watch a lot of it, but um, what was it? Their their best win versus a ranked opponent, or the yeah. top-ranked opponent they've beaten in, like, I don't know. Since 2015 or something? Yep, 2015. You drilled it. Or no, wait. Yeah, I whatever, whenever I was there to see them beat USC. USC, yeah. You're right. Yep. And this, um, was a, this was a road game, so that's surprising. 
It was, yeah. BC's defeat a top 15 team, a top 25 team for the first time since 2014. It was against USC. Yeah. So You almost never see a college programs beat superior opponents on the road or oh, no, never level happens. playing field opponents. Well, NC State was ranked, what, 18th? 16, I think. 16, 16th, was it? 16 or 18. Uh, it was, let me see really quick. I think it was 16, but. Let me see here, too. Yeah. Really quick, hold on. 16th, you drove with 7 2 record. Yeah. Uh, Zay Flowers had a great game. Obviously, now he's returned uh, to form. Seven catches, 150 uh, yeah. touchdowns. He, he broke the uh, BC receiving yes. yardage record, right? Tied him. Yes, broke the receiving record. And then also tied the single season touchdown record for BC football with 10, uh, which is very impressive. No so uh, he's been playing great. He's been playing great. Uh, that snap, BC's. Uh, one of the longest home winning streaks in the country. They snapped NC State's uh, home winning streak, which is very impressive. That's obviously a statement win for BC on uh, picking up their third win on the year. Moorhead was great, 29-48. Passing, 29-48, 330 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, and also uh, got BC down the field in the last minute uh, to win that game, which is pretty cool. So, uh, big win. Yeah, Mayo said he was looking good the game we watched him. I thought he, he threw too many like fadeaway balls, you know what I mean? Yes, Always he off does. the back foot, fading away, kind of looping them up there, but... I mean, it worked though. Joe Griffin. First game, you got to cut him some slack. Even, Joe Griffin. Even I have to cut him some slack for that. Joe Griffin had that touchdown, eighteen seconds to go. BC got the ball Joe back Griffin, with two, 40, two minutes forty-seven seconds, and then Joe Griffin Jr. continuing his great season uh, had a big touchdown catch uh, for the win for yeah. BC. So, uh, very impressive uh, game for him. As for BC against Notre Dame this weekend, what do you think? I guess I don't know if it's all half the year, but I guess you give him a little credit. Go with a younger guy, get a big road win program's going to have some momentum going into next year at this rate, right? Yeah. Because I think they can beat Syracuse at home. Syracuse has come down a little bit from uh, their early season. You know, they were off to a great start. That's a 7.30 game next Saturday night, Syracuse. A lot of night games for BC this year, surprisingly. Four. Four. You had UMaine. Yeah, what, you put you six had Clemson. Games, four of them. Duke. Four of them on night games. And now Syracuse. Four night games. This one's going to be the coldest one. Saturday, November 26th. Uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. That'll be, that'll be a brick game. Brick. Um, but BC playing Last Notre Dame. Year, though, so. Hey, this game against Notre Dame is going to be five degrees. Hey, wait, wait. So, so college, uh, college football in the ACC, they're starting up the um, the scheduling where we face, what, Syracuse and is it Pitt or NC State or VTech? Something like year? that. Pitt, NC State, and uh, it might be Miami. Uh, is it Miami? Miami, maybe? Miami, Syracuse, and Pitt or something? Let me see. Check out the realignment really quick. Yeah, they're trying to trying to drum up some like yearly rivalries, which is actually, I think that's cool. I don't mind it at the end of the day. I mean, they're, they're trying, like trying to mix it up, so it's not just. I think in know, all sports, division games are always you know more intense. Like Pats Jets will be good. Bruins Canadians. We haven't even played them yet this year. It's not as many divisional games in uh, the NHL anymore. They cut it down, right? It's Pittsburgh yeah, Syracuse be, Miami. You play them like eight times, but Pittsburgh Syracuse Miami. So, uh, BC playing Notre Dame this weekend. Notre Dame's 18th ranked team in the country, coming off a big win two weeks ago against Clemson, beating them by 21 points, three touchdowns, 35 14 on November 5th, and then beat uh, Navy in a very close game this past weekend, 35 32. Uh, BC, this game will be at 2 30 on Saturday at Notre Dame in South Bend. And in this game, obviously, BC is going to be, you know, heavy underdogs, but it's also going to be really cold. Five degrees with a wind chill. Five degrees with a wind chill. Usually you need the running game in the cold. That's the one thing we haven't been that great with this year. Yeah, I'm with you. It's going to be hard, especially considering you're not going to be able to throw the ball as well, right, in the cold. Five degrees is hard. That's going yeah, to be usually. Tough. I mean, well, it's also just like the receivers running routes downfield constantly, like trying to catch your breath in the cold. It's, yes. It's also a little tough. But. 
Notre Dame's having a good year, though. I mean, 7-3, and three, obviously not a college football playoff year, but still pretty good. They started off 0-2, though, so. Exactly. Now they're 7-1. They lost to Marshall or something? Louisville and, uh, not Louisville. It was, uh, was it Marshall? It, it was, was Marshall. Yes, they lost to Marshall. I think they lost one. to Marshall, yeah. Week, week two yeah. to Marshall, week one to Ohio State. That's what it was. I was going to say Louisville, but they didn't lose to Louisville. Yeah, they so. They didn't even play Louisville. Um, so. But, yeah, they Shot in the foot right away. Then they beat Cal the week after, and then beat NC, actually, in week four, 45-32. That was a big game for them. Uh, now have won seven of their last eight games. So very impressive. Their only loss uh, over that stretch uh, was to Stanford on October 15, 16-14. So they've been pretty impressive with Franklin as their new coach. And obviously now playing BC this weekend, probably you'd imagine Notre Dame gets a win here. What's your prediction? Yeah, I mean, hey, two, two road wins in a row is probably tough. Yeah. Uh, it'd be nice if it's, if it's a close game, you know, if – if we keep them under 30, but BC wants to win the maybe, maybe like a 21, 28 or. Yeah, I'm with you. Something like that. It's going to be uh, the morning of that game will be, looks like 26 degrees with uh, 13 mile an hour winds. And <laughs> then the afternoon will be 30 degrees with the 13 mile an hour degrees. winds. Get ready for BC to not make a single kick. 25, <laughs> wind, 25 miles an hour wind gusts with 16 mile per hour winds uh, south to southwest with a 14 to 15 degree wind chill. So very cold wind chill. Uh, so that'll be tough for BC, obviously. South Bend's also getting 8 to 12 inches of snow this week, according to One Foot Down, which is uh, Notre Dame football blog. Uh, so that's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I will go Notre Dame winning this game 31 to 21. I think BC might be in. 31 uh, 20. Uh, I think Notre Dame will be. Yeah, you think, you think people are getting in the 30s with the. I don't maybe. know. I think they might just get a backdoor cover. Yeah. Backdoor cover the, of the 30 it, points. Do they have a spread yet up for this game? Is it Probably. two touchdowns? Let me see. I don't know. You'd imagine they're pretty favored. They're probably right? not that big. 21. So just, 21. 21 point spread? Yeah, right now, 21 points and wow. 34 point over under. So, All right, so I'll take it 24 12. Okay. All right, I don't BC mind that. Cover them. I don't mind that. Uh, Missing yeah, both be, extra points. It'll be pretty interesting to see. So, obviously, we gave our predictions there. Um, now, let's talk some bees. Bruins, that's probably your favorite thing to talk about. Obviously, UMaine's up there. UMaine's number one for tonight. But Bruins, though. <laughs> 14-2, start of the season, 16 games, 14-2. Everyone said the Bruins right now, if they're 10-8 and or eight and eight at this point in the season without, you know, McAvoy for some games and Grizzlick for some games and Brad Marchand for some games, 8-8 eight and eight would be great. And the Bruins find themselves holding the best record in the NHL, correct? 14-2. Yeah, so, best record in the NHL. And all, these players were all expected back like around or after Thanksgiving. And they're all December, back already, right? So. Yeah, so what's not to like? Plus 30 goal differential for the team this year. So I think they're the top scoring team and the best defensive team by goals allowed and goals scored. They are. They are. That was a big win on Sunday against the Canucks five to two. Uh, obviously Canucks. I heard. Uh, yeah, so Swayman like, got hurt one game. He's actually back. Yeah, he's back. He's they back activated at, him. Right? Back active. Yeah. They activated. It's pretty cool. Uh, one thing I want to ask you about Hibbs Lindholm, right? So we're going to talk. Obviously, Bruins are talking about you know the whole team. We're not going to just talk about one guy, but one guy I want to ask you about and I want your opinion on. And I said this to Mark Walsh before. Hampus Lindholm's not the best player in the Bruins. I think he's the most valuable player on the Bruins, though. Yeah, I mean, I think the top defenseman on any team is arguably always the most important guy. I mean, Lindholm is—he's just a—he's a force out there. He skates like twenty-six minutes a game. Yeah, um, he's a killer. He's, he's a great passer. You know, he, he's not that physical. If if I'm looking for anything more in his game, yeah, he doesn't quite have the physicality that a McAvoy has. So. You like your top shutdown guy to also have a little bit of that intimidation factor where he's going to, you know, he's, he's going to punish you if you're 
plane swap, you got your head down, or you can't get free entries into the zone every time, make Definitely. guys second guess, cause more offsides just by, you know, positioning than always with stick checks or chasing guys down. But he's a, he's a great skater, um, great passer. He's, yeah. he's, he, and he picks his spots better than anyone on the team, and that's probably his best asset, you know. Yeah. He'll, jump up in the rush when he has to but you never see him get caught flat-footed with a guy going in alone on breakaways when he's on the ice so yeah um you know he's money. yeah he's just got a big calming presence out there he's great and you look at it you were right you drilled it he plays like 25 minutes a night 24 21 is his average time on ice which is number one of the bruins the next closest charlie mcavoy 21 minutes three more minutes or two minutes and 58 seconds more on average per night than charlie mcavoy so yeah. very impressive probably I mean, like to see them both there. get around like 22. Yeah, I'd give him a little rest. No, too. Like I mean, I think, I think McAvoy, will, he'll get his conditioning back into shape. They'll feel comfortable putting him out there more. And I do think McAvoy is the younger player, more physical player. And, you know, he's the hometown. Like, we drafted him. Um, they gave him the big paycheck. Yeah. Nine and a half million a year. I mean, Lindholm's here for just as long, but he's, yeah. you know, and he's older, but he's got a lower paycheck. He's playing with just better players now, so his point numbers are up. Like, you pass the puck up the ice. To uh, Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak, Hall, those guys yeah. go and they score. You're right. Back when he was on the Ducks, he's passing the puck up and it's coming right back down his end. So, you know, he's pretty good. Uh, what's your opinion yeah, on? Uh, obviously, he's, Omar... a, he's a point per game guy. Oh, he's a beast. He's a beast. What's your opinion on Omar versus Swayman? Obviously, Omar's had a great season. Now Swayman coming back. Omar's the one, right? It's not even close. Uh, no, this is a loaded question for me. I'm I'm a Swayman guy. At the really? end of the day. <laughs> Uh, yes, I'm a swimming guy. What makes you a swimming I guy? Just, I mean, he's I, playing great right now, Valmark. You know where Swimming played? You made. He did. You made. We're, you, we're big You made super fans. If you guys couldn't tell yet. Um, you made super fans. No, but I, the reason I'm a swimming, I, I think swimming has the higher ceiling, even despite what Allmark's doing right now. Um, and I think Allmark is. I mean, he's he's up. He's the lead candidate for the Vesna by far this year. I think he was the first goalie to ten wins. Yeah. Hasn't lost on home ice. He's like, oh, he's playing great. R- hovering right around two goals allowed per game. Oh, he's um, crushing it. Almost is great. Almost is, is great. Averaging uh, ninety-three point four percent save percentage with one point nine six goals per game against, uh, and also is twelve games played, eleven and one record. So very impressive. Oh yeah, he's 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 unbelievable. Uh, but yeah, I know you're a big Swayman guy too. Kincaid also got a yeah. spot in there. I, I just well. think Swayman's ceiling is Kincaid better. He's a little younger. We drafted him, so that's something to like. He's got and, four and shout in, the playoffs, too. in the playoffs last year, it did make a difference when Swayman came in rather than Allmark. And Swayman a was backing out. up a team that had uh, heard Hampus Lindholm and McAvoy had to miss a game from COVID. So our two top defensemen we just talked about were out. He's coming back against the wall. Team's down 0-2. Swayman's in the net, and he, he pulls out two straight games. So, I mean, I just think he's a guy who can elevate – when he needs to in a big spot like the playoffs, whereas Allmark hasn't shown that yet. So win all the regular season games you want. We need him. He's probably going to carry the load this year. But we'll see. When the playoffs come, I just hope that they don't feel obligated to leave Allmark in there because he got, you know, did so well during the regular season. Yeah, and I respect that. I mean, I, and I'm wrong for a second. He only has one shutout, Allmark, but he has four saves and four attempts yeah. in shootouts. So yeah. I think he only had one today. shutout all of last year. I mean, it's it's not that easy to come by these days. Not in the NHL. I mean, there's a lot of goal scores, yeah. right? And look at the beat. Well, there's a lot I mean. of power plays and stuff. Like, pucks just, you know, trickle in if you're getting 
you have to kill off like four power plays a game potentially. Hey, the Bruins have played 16 games. They have 20 different goal scorers, mm-hmm. which is impressive. I mean, obviously you're going to get goals from Pasternak, Mashin, Bergeron, but for years that was really all the only offensive production you've been getting. And now you got you got a ton of guys. They have the most depth. And I fought off the Bruins as heavily as you do. And I'm asking this question. Do you think it's the deepest? This is the deepest Bruins team they've had since they won the Stanley Cup, and they've had some good teams obviously since they won the Cup. But do you think it's deepest? I'm not sure if it's uh, right before know, the pandemic. Could, that team be, was deep. It actually could be considering the fact that we have we have a little more offensive punch on the back end. I think McAvoy and Lindholm, Grizzly, Clifton. Those four guys are much better offensively than any of the defensemen we had in 2011. I don't think they're as good defensively. I think the decor we had in 2011 was was much better defensively, and they were physical and they were. Yeah. I mean, we had Char and Seidenberg. It was like Seidenberg's a beast. Oh, they were just they were just wrecking balls out there. Hey, I was uh, talking to. Um... But yeah, offensively, I think I think there's an argument to be made. It's tough to. I mean, with a younger Krejci, right? Krejci, yep. Luch, Horton. That was a that was a high powered line. So yeah, no, that team was good. Honestly, overall, and I think just Krejci himself was he was he was awesome. So yeah, you were just talking side and certainly close. I think as a team, the answer is probably yes. Offensively, a little bit better. Defensively, not not quite as good. I mean, the goalies. I mean, we're right up there with the, with the way Rask was playing back then too, though, right? And even Tim Thomas back in his day. I mean, Omar. Well, that was, right that was Tim Thomas. <laughs> that was but, Tim yeah. Thomas's days. But wasn't Rask the backup then, though? Well, I mean, Thomas won the Vesna that year. I'm pretty sure. So. Yeah, and it was, was was Rask on the team, right? I thought he was. Right? Rask was the starter the year before. Thomas had hip surgery. That's what it is. Okay. And Rask did well, but then in the playoffs, we coughed up a three zero lead to Philly. Three yeah. zero series lead to Philly yeah. and th- up three zero in Game Seven. So you're right, and they play Philly tomorrow. Then, uh, Thomas came back, won the job, and kept it. You're right. Obviously, that was a good win uh, for the Bruins. Uh, obviously, winning the Stanley Cup that was pretty cool. That was the year they won, right? The that year they came back. Yeah, the year they yep. came back, right? They won. Um, how do you feel about the Flyers tomorrow for the Bees? Obviously, Flyers seven six and three on the year. He's yeah. a big Flyers guy. Tortorella. Yeah. Yep. Bruins are home. Uh, how do you feel about them? Kim Atkinson's on the Flyers, right? Oh. He, yeah, he's on the Flyers. Um, I expect us to. I expect the Bruins to win. I mean, the Flyers just don't have the. They don't really have the roster to compete. I don't think uh, they. They've got the coach. Coach tells them to block shots. You can expect a lot of block shots and tough play, but the Bruins can get to four or five goals. I don't. I don't think the Flyers can. I mean, they, yeah. They, look at their goal scores. They only have fifty. I mean, fifty goal scores is a bad considering they've only played. What? Uh, they got like Connect Knee Hayes, Atkinson. Kevin Hayes is I mean, their best player there, Katuria is not. Connect Knee, yeah. I think he's out. Yeah, he's not playing. He's out. It looks so. like. Let me see it. It says here mm-hmm. uh, he was. Think he has surgery or something. Out three to four months with a back injury in September. So he's probably out yep. until January. Uh, yeah, I think he had surgery to repair a disc or something. Um, but yeah, they're 29th in goals for in the NHL. In goals against, they have 13th. <laughs> Uh, only have 41 goals in the S and the Bs. First in goals for with 65, and second in goals against in the NHL with 35 goals allowed. Number one in the NHL uh, right now uh, in simple rating system, which is the thing that uh, uh, Hockey Reference Online does, which I'm not sure how they compute it, but they're number one in that, which is pretty go- uh, cool. Uh, and obviously, like you said, they're number one in offensive and defensive rating, you said? Yeah, I think so. That's pretty impressive. The PK, too. The, P- the penalty kill's been great. I think it was like, 95% on home ice. Um, they're one in the last game, but 
And do you think it's Jim Montgomery? That's I mean, obviously the depth is you know maybe just the Bruins that uh, you know hitting their stride at the right eh, time. I think it's could a they little, have done uh, this with probably Cassidy? more so. Just like you got you had some new faces come in last year, and they've got like Lindholm was a late year addition. Um, DeBrusque was a late year addition up on the top line with Bergeron. Although they Montgomery does mix the lines up a ton, which is refreshing to see because usually you see teams mix up the lines when they're in a rut, but he'll mix them up mid game just yeah. to get them get them going with the momentum. Which I Cassidy used to stick with the same lines a lot, so that's that's one difference. What if it does a trick, right? Though I mean, at the end of the day, you just want yeah, yeah, hot, right? It, it also keeps guys energized a little bit if it's working. You know, like all right, you, you know, Hall's going to play with Berger on this shift because he's not, you know, he's not finding his game yet. Yeah. No, I respect Thanks that. Um, I want to ask your opinion on this. So, obviously, the Bruins so far right now have been splitting up uh, Lindholm and McAvoy, right? So, two different lines. Yep. Do you think they continue doing that for the rest of the season? Or do you think at some point you go a power line up both those guys together? I think it's all matchup-based, right? So, ideally, you keep them split up. But say you play against a team where they decide they're going to just put their top three best players together on the same line. Like, like for instance, the Penguins. If the Penguins go with a line of, like, Crosby... Malkin and um, Gensel. Yeah, you might as well just have McAvoy and Lindholm together and, and just match that. You know, the big line with the big defensive pairing. So it's all matchup based. Yeah, I respect that. That, that makes sense. <laughs> the Bruins right and now. And they've also got the luxury of like you can play Bergeron's line against a, a team's best centerman because he's going to follow the center. Yeah. So would you say still yeah, the best defensive forward? Lindholm and and McAvoy. What? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. You, you have Bergeron's first line out there, good defense. Would you say Bergeron's still the best defensive forward in the NHL? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I think all the all the stats back it up. The advanced stats. Cassidy said last year the nerds keep making new uh, advanced analytics and keeps making Bergeron look better and better. But yeah, he's a beast. He's he wins a, a bunch of faceoffs. He's always in position. Um, great passer, and he, he anticipates. You know, he's great anticipation on the penalty kill. Steals a lot of pucks. So I I, did, I don't know who I would rather have out there in a big defensive situation. So. Yeah. No, I'm with you. He's having a great year, and I was happy he came back to you, obviously, in that one-year yeah. deal. And it yeah. looks like uh, Krejci was a great pickup getting him back, too. He's playing great. Yeah, should help the power play. I think he'll probably – I mean, he got dinged up a little bit one of these past games. Yeah, he got hit pretty hard, I ago. saw. So, luckily, the team's doing well enough for you not really depending on him to shoulder the same offensive load that he used to. Yeah. So, he'll he'll get there, I think. Nice, I, haven't seen him really, I haven't really seen him flash off the rush like he used to. He still can. I mean, he can still stick him. He's like a magician with this with the passing. Yeah, he probably just doesn't. He doesn't. He might have lost a half a stride, or he's just still getting used to the NHL speed again. But I expect he'll be good. He's good on. He should. He's good on the power play. I like when he has the puck. He's a good passer. I mean, he might, he should be the best passer on the team. Bergeron loves him too, right? So he's yeah, probably sucked. I mean, they've, they've been teammates the longest, I think. So you're right. You're right. I, mean, I was happy he came back for you too. I know you 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 were a fan of him back in the day. Uh, you're a big Thornton oh, yeah. guy, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You love Sean Thornton, yeah. and Krejci, and Bergey. Those are your boys. Yep. Sean Thornton. We Thorin. saw Luch, Luch in town uh, a few, few yes, games ago. Yes, he was. He was a couple games ago. Uh, did he give him any ov- ovation or anything? I didn't see. I missed some. I think, yeah, I think when he came out on the ice for the first time, the fans cheered for him, yeah. Nice. I was, he I was that, surprised though. they didn't start him or something because you know how they announced the lineups of the starting players. Yeah, yeah, but, that'd be pretty cool. Get everyone going, why not, right? Um, so if you had the other guy, I think I think we got to highlight is uh, Connor Clifton. Yes, I was going to say. I was going to say if you have to, if you have to give the most underrated Bruin, who is it? Is it Clifton? Oh, it's got to be him. Yeah, and I thought he was coming on great 
in the playoffs last year because he had to step in and play big minutes when McAvoy was out, Lindholm was out. Yep, yep. Um, they kept playing Clifton and Forbort's pairing um, all day long, and actually Clifton has been with Lindholm most of this year, at least recently. So he's actually been out there on the top pair with Lindholm. He has two goals, six assists, eight points. He's been Couple playing very goals. well. Yeah, goals in consecutive games. Yeah, he's a playing he's, great. Uh, he skates, he hits. He's not a, he's not a big guy. Only 5'11". Uh, sometimes... Yeah, and he used to make mistakes trying to do too much. Now I think he's a lot better at picking his spots. Maybe he's, you know, Lindholm might be rubbing off on him or something. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Um, well, how do you feel about Craig Smith? Is that a guy that Bruins could potentially move at some point? One goal, two assists uh, in the year? If you can, I would, yeah. You think he's gone? Well, uh, I mean, coming into the year, I was I was thinking him, Felino, Mike Riley. These guys, they all make around the same money and – if you want to re-sign Pasternak, if you want to add a player who can really help you, you got to find a way to get rid of these guys. They've waived Riley down to the AHL. He cleared waivers, right? <laughs> so they bury right? some of that money. Uh, I think Felino's actually been good. Yeah, Felino's you know, so solid. Two, uh, three goals, uh, four, six, seven As far as this year is concerned, he's worth, he's worth close to what they're paying him. 2.8 million. So, yeah. Um, he's worth that right now. <laughs> He's, he, you know, he's bringing something every game, and he's he's a good locker room guy. There's never a doubt about that. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, considering he's two point eight million, this Coyle's making three, Zach is making three and a half. Oh no, Coyle's making like five, five point two five or something. His salary's three right now, but yeah, maybe with more money, right? But I mean, you know, you're gonna go by like um, cap. Yeah, okay, got you. This is based on because usually they'll front load these hockey contracts with bonuses because they yes. don't make as much money. Current cap is five point two five mil, so five million twenty fifty thousand mm-hmm. with a salary of. 20, I think Felino might be three point eight. Let me wrong. see. I know, I'll check it out right now. I have everything right here. CapFriendly.com? Uh, well, this is a hockey reference, which gets it from CapFriendly. So, uh, it's, you know, pretty pretty much... Okay, yeah, CapFriendly, you can click between the tabs. It'll show the whole roster. You can go, like, um, cap it, AAV is average annual value, and then, um, yep. you know, you can get the actual salary. I think they get this from Cap, because everything's right. that You said $2.8 million salary for Felino with a $3.8 million cap hit. Uh, which is good amount. I mean, that's a lot of money for a guy that's 35 years old, though, right? It's a lot of money for a guy on the fourth line. <laughs> 35. But that's because of how deep the Bruins are, right? Though, I mean, you're gonna have, he's going to be on the fourth yeah. line of the Bees, maybe third for other yes, teams. Yes, no, I mean, he's playing a little bit of third and fourth. So, I, you know, he's on the second power play. So, he's giving you a little special teams depth. Yeah. He's good. I mean, he's actually he's got some physicality to him. He doesn't seem to be as slow this year as he was last year. You're right. Um, gets, gets to the front of the net. He's already scored a few goals. Got some points. Yeah, he's solid. And the Bruins right now, I think the magic thing is the Bruins are 9-0 at home, too, which I know as you're talking about all the players, but yeah, they're winning the games fans. at home. Exactly. We're talking about the players. I want to mention that. They're 9-0 at home and yeah, tomorrow night. I think, think Brad Marshall, too, after one of the games, they mentioned that. He said, well, you want to be a team where you intimidate the opponent when they come into your building and they know they have to you know, come into a place where the Bruins don't lose. You're right. They haven't lost. Nine and zero. I'm impressed. And uh, how do Felger yeah, and Mass they, fail on ninety eight five? They are they fans? Yeah, you know when the team's doing really well, you don't hear much from them. So that's it. How <laughs> was the, the drama of the teams that are struggling? How was two day, uh, Tuesdays with Greg Bedard? Uh, Greg Bedard, Big Boy Tuesdays with Greg Bedard. I missed Big it Boy yesterday. Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. He's I missed good. it. I was listening to him yesterday. Um, He's the best. Talking about would you prefer Zach Wilson or Mac Jones? A lot of them were saying Wilson. I might go Wilson based on arm. I don't know though. It's tough. I like Mac. Though. I, yeah, I, athletic talent. I, maybe uh, arm strength, I but I, I'm starting to feel bad for Mac. I'm starting to feel bad for Mac. I am. I feel bad for Mac. I do. I don't know. I feel like he's getting a lot of, lot of bad. I, I mean, back. the guy, first, you got to, it is a what have you done for me lately business. I mean, everyone praised him last year. It's not, I want him to do well. It's just, 
I don't. I think people are giving Mac almost too much rope in some sense. I get but, that. But hey, big week for him coming off a bye. Playing the Jets, he's finally Jeff- probably settled in. I'm sure the ankles wasn't 100 percent when he got back out there. I mean, yeah, we'll see. I, I think there's been some uh, scuttlebutt too about like t- defenses are they know all the Patriots plays because it's too predictable and yeah you know I even heard somebody I think it might have been Greg Bedard said like uh, is it because Matt Patricia is the only offensive coordinator in the league who doesn't cover his mouth when he's calling the plays in? <laughs> 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 he's right see Tuesdays with Greg Bedard Big Boy Tuesdays Greg Bedard 9 Day 5 the Sports Hub the best segment in all of sports whether you're watching ESPN Fox Sports <laughs> any radio station uh, you know WFAN in New York City this is the best segment in all of radio media in sports in the sports industry Tuesdays with Greg Bedard on 9 Day 5 he's the best He's the best at what he does. Absolute beast. It is good, yeah. Absolute beast. He's a big three up, Judon three guy. Down, ten questions with Greg, but uh, yeah. Biggest tool bag, right? Always gives the biggest tool bag of every team. Always big, yeah. Biggest tool bag of whatever franchise they're about to play that week. It always. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about the Patriots versus the Jets this week, though? Obviously, the Jets, the Patriots beat the I think it's ago. Pats at home. I think you, you got to expect the Pats win. I do. Yeah, I think it'll be a close game, though. Um, and I'll give the Patriots the edge here. I'll go 34 31 Patriots. Ah, 34 I mean, Wilson, wins a lot. The, I'll go hey, 20, I don't know if it's the Jets. 27-21. Patriots. There's my there's my prediction. What were you saying though? Yeah. yeah, I could see I would pick a score like that. 27-23. I'll go with that, because 30 is a lot. What were we saying about the Jets? They beat them a couple weeks ago. Oh, um Yeah, they beat them a few weeks ago. I guess Wilson's been five and one this year. Yeah. One loss was against the Pats and three Brutal picks against the Pats. Brutal. I mean that that's so it's Hey, matchups are everything. If it's just a bad matchup for the guy, it's a bad matchup. So, advantage Patriots defense at a minimum. Hey, the only and division... I would expect a scoring drive right away from the Pats. That's what I'm hoping for. Well, you better have a scripted drive. You better have at least one trick play. I think I've been calling for a trick play here. Where's the Jacoby Myers pass? Where's like something? Jeff uh, Jeff Smith, get Jeff Smith with uh, Kobe White. Yeah. The BC end around from, uh, you know, it went to Anthony Brown, then to Jeff Wilson, uh, Jeff Smith, and then uh, to Kobe White. But uh, <laughs> run that four net to Brady play. Ah, <laughs> oh, that was tough. God, Brady almost Brady was trying to go up for it though. Lucky Brady get killed. I mean, Brady tried to go for it. The safety came and he would have been dead probably. You yeah, know, probably would have gone pop. But uh, how do you feel about the Bucks though? Now they've won two of their last two games. Uh, obviously, we gave our Patriots predictions. You're in the twenty-seven, twenty-three range, right? Patriots by four. Before we go on to the oh, well, this box. one, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, stick with the score you said. That sounds right. Got you, twenty-seven to three. All right, um, yeah. How do you feel about the Bucks? though? two and zero in their last two games. You think they're turning the corner now? Five and five. Uh, I think they the are turning the corner. I do. Is, they got to buy this week. Do you still faith good. in Brady? What is it? Do you still faith in Tom Brady making a run? It's more that I just can't doubt the guy. I mean, I'm not going to bet against him. He's he, he just gets it done too often in the NFC. Now that the Eagles just took an L there to Heineke, who's a beast, former yeah. Patriot Taylor Heineke, the goat, the goat. He got a good big win. Uh, now they're five and five. Washington's five and five. The Patriots are five and four. Yeah. Both AFC and FC East. Every team's either five hundred above. Only division football team close to that. Every division football has a team that's either you know three thirty three or below win percentage wise. I don't know if you guys talked about it yesterday. I was going to say a good prompt for you is. Um, which division is the better division yes. in the NFL? We the talked AFC about East it. or the NFC East? We talked about that. And so I said this. I said I think the AFC East is better because you have the Dolphins and the Bills. 
Both of them could win the Super Bowl. I don't see the Eagles or the Cowboys winning the Super Bowl, even though win percentage wise. Interesting. I don't know. I think it's. I, I don't know which division. I would, I would say. I would say AFC East. I'm obviously biased, but I I'm think, only going AFC East because I think. I I'm think not the even top end is a little bit. That's what I said. Powered. Yeah. Everyone considers a top end, which I don't. I think the Giants are better than the, the Dallas Cowboys, but everyone considers the NFC East, Eagles, Cowboys. And what the AFC East is, Bills, Dolphins. So if you're going based off what everyone thinks, I'm going to go AFC East. But if you put the Giants in there, I'm gonna, I might lead Giants. Right. Well, I think the last I checked, it was like all of the AFC East was in a playoff spot. I'm sure now that yeah, everyone. Washington's everyone up to 5-5, five and five, you know, they're knocking on the door. Of Half a game game out. So. Half, Half a game, game out. Yeah, that's, that's not bad. I mean, think about it. Two entire divisions have the potential to, you know, be in the playoffs. Yeah, how do you feel about the Patriots' record overall? I mean, now they're five and four right now. Obviously, I've uh, won four of their last five. Do you think? I think they should be better than ten and seven. They should be better than this record. Yeah. You think they, they finished ten and seven? Well, they should have. They should have beat the Packers. They probably. I cannot believe they lost to the Bears. Um, I don't care what Justin Fields does. Fields been killing. Bears. I just don't consider them a real high-powered team. No, they're not. So, I agree with you. They're 3-7. and seven. They're not a great it's team. It's a QB who runs around. I mean, he's not Lamar Jackson. He's a good player, but he was slipping, dropping the ball. The, the, yeah, that's a tough the game. The Patriots just played right? terrible that game. That was, and a that was the big game, game where they had Mac. He throws a pick. They bring Zappi in, two touchdowns. Then he's throwing picks. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, that was a, a tough game. A horrendous game plan. Monday Night Football at home. That's just, uh, oof. That was a tough Borderline game. Borderline embarrassing. So you still have faith in Brady. Obviously, uh, I know you're never going to go against Brady. But uh, in the NFC, though, besides the Bucks, I guess, which team do you think the best team is in the NFC? Is it Minnesota? Is it Philly? Is it Dallas? Is it the Giants? Is it Tampa Bay? What's the best team in the NFC? Seattle, San Francisco? I, I think know. Tampa, if they get it together, is the best because I think their defense has some of the best players on it. Devin White. Devin Barrett, White's good. Yeah, I uh, I think the one thing about that Tampa Bay team is they've just – I don't know what it is. I know they've, they've won the last two games, but there was no urgency in the, in the beginning of the season. That made me wary. There was no urgency. They were just losing games. If you're, and, getting, oh, the result, right. if you're getting the two wins, you know, they're now, what, 500? 500, 5-5, five and five, leading in the NFC South by a game. Yeah, so, I mean, they've got a little little bit of momentum. Uh, you know, got some – the receivers getting healthier. Godwin. Yeah, Godwin. I, Rashad I, White there is like a pretty Godwin. good player. He's pretty good. Fournette's pretty good, too, this year. He's having a good year. I mean, obviously Brady now picking up a little bit. Uh, you have any faith in Aaron Rodgers? The Green Bay Packs are 4-6. No, Coming off a big no. win this past week, though, against Dallas. Uh, with him throwing three touchdowns to Christian Watson, which was pretty interesting. The rookie wideout out of North Dakota State. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully he helps faith? me out in fantasy. I hope so, too. That's actually a good pickup. No. Do you have any faith in Green no, Bay? I, don't. I got none. You yeah. think they're done? They're only a game behind Tampa Bay, I guess, win-loss record-wise. Yeah, I just don't think they would. I don't think so. I don't think he's beating the Bucs in a big spot. I mean, when Rodgers had everything going for him, home game at Lambeau, Brady's first year as the Bucs quarterback, and, and he got beaten. Right. So this year with Rodgers frustrated, his receiving talent down, I think the line is spotty. Defense, it can't stop the run. It's no wide receivers. Well, this kid just got three touchdowns last game, so he can't be that bad. Watson, so that's it, though. It's just one guy, though. I mean, they don't get Devontae yeah, Adams. Isn't he getting, what's his name back there? Cobb. Cobb's coming Tanya back at some point. Adams. Yeah, he's got Adams. Um, Not a wide receiver, but. We'll see what happens there, obviously. But yeah, it's, yeah, yeah he doesn't have a ton of, he's got no Devontae Adams, so. Um, I'll ask you this question. Oh, I meant Aaron Jones. That's what I meant. Not Adams. Oh, I'm a big Aaron Jones guy. Aaron Jones is a beast. I'm, a, I'm an Aaron yeah, Jones guy. Jones, I'm with you. Aaron yeah, Jones is a beast. He's a good player. 
No, he's really good. Uh, I want to ask you this, though. Your pigeon on Daniel Jones. Where do you think he ranks right now in quarterbacks in the NFL? I'm going to give you a couple uh, numbers really quick. He had a 153.3 passer rating this past weekend uh, on Sunday, which was the number one passer rating for a quarterback in the NFL in a single game this year. He hasn't thrown an interception now in six games. The Giants are five in one of those That's six good. games. That's good um, and obviously, if you look at it, he's been playing great on third down, and this comes from Bobby Skinner. Uh, he did all these numbers and these crunching for John Boy Media. Daniel Jones on third down the last five games, excluding screens. In third and seven plus plays, so third down and seven yards or more, he's 13 of 27, 48%. That's pretty good. 13 of 20 for 240 yards, 12 uh, yards per attempt, with a touchdown, no picks, three sacks, four carries for 24 yards. And then third and six or less, 15 to 25 for 60% for a conversion rate, which is pretty good. 50 to 19 passing, 114 yards, and six yards per attempt. Uh, with one touchdown, no picks, two sacks, four carries, and 34 yards. Third and seven or more, he's 48%, you know, conversion rate. 13, That's pretty good, yeah. Yards, uh, Anything that's pretty good. 50 is pretty good. He's 13, 20, 240 yards uh, with 12 yards per attempt. That's pretty impressive. Uh, I'm looking What's like the league average on, on just third downs in general? Is it like 33% or something? Probably or something 40, like that, yeah. I mean, you're pretty good. You take 40, right? You take 40% always, right? I'd imagine. Yeah, I think so. Um, but Daniel Jones... 50% of his pass plays in this past game on Sunday came up third down in the last drive of the half. And if you look at it, he was 7 of 7 in the pass plays on third down and the last drive of the draft in the half. 7 of 7, 124 yards, a touchdown, and three sacks. And those three sacks came in third, 15, third, and 10 in the last play of the half. So very impressive finish from the last play in the first half to third downs and all that. He's been playing great. I don't know. I, I mean, you're not a big DJ guy. Where would you rank I him mean, right now? You gotta be. You probably. You probably exceeded even what you projected, right? Well, I had him that's at twelve far. or whatever. That, I that's thought, far. I would. Still, no, I just mean the team. His performance with the team, the record, and all that. I mean, the Giants are seven to two. Uh, best record since two thousand eight. Very impressive. And yeah, I mean, I'm a big DJ guy in general, though. You know that. I always support him. Yeah, I think you know he's he's certainly been put in a much better position to. Um. Yeah, you know, succeed. enhance what he's good at, which I think is running. It's a, the Giants are a running offense as much as any team is. Yeah, like, I mean, they probably run as effectively as maybe not the Ravens, but they're like that in a way where the QBs a threat. Um, they got a better running back. They yeah. they run a lot. They even do you know some wide receiver reverses. Yeah, short screens. Um, I just think the one you got to be able to see them pass a little bit more. Here's the thing: because you can't lean, you don't want to lean on your guy thirty-one totes a game. If the drop off between your top back and your next back is as steep as it probably is on the Giants, you could. Well, they got Matt Breed, Antonio Williams, and uh, Gary Bright with a back of running backs. Breed is all right, but the other two really just practice. Yeah, but even Breed is like a. What's he getting at most, like 10 touches a game oh, on three, a team, three, ideally? No, but I mean, guys. ideally, if he was really one of your feature guys. Probably, yeah, probably 10, but on the Giants. 10 is probably three. about all you want to give him. Um, he used to get more on the Niners back in the day. He's a speed guy. Yeah, he's not bad, though. He's pretty good. Uh, but this weekend's going to be the same story the Giants are playing all year. Detroit's 31st against a run in the league, giving him 160 yards per game on the ground. And the Giants uh, are fourth in time of possession. Detroit's 28th. And the Giants are third in rushing yards. They're going to run the ball all day. They're going to run the ball all day this weekend against Detroit. Two running teams. Again, Detroit's a run-first team. Giants yeah, are a run-first team. Swift's going to be out, though, right, it looks like? Who? De- De- DeAndre Swift, is he out? I don't think so. I think he's fine. I think Jamal Williams missed practice. That's who it is. Someone missed. Someone yeah. missed something. Well, Swift's know. the better guy, so you don't want him getting the ball more. 
Yeah, I like Swift, but I don't know. The Giants, can beat them. the Giants can beat them. Uh, one last thing, though. So, as I said, Daniel Jones had the Swift highest passer rating. Yeah, yeah, he's a good player. I like Swift. He had the highest passer rating in the NFL this year, though. Daniel Jones in the game, 153.3. And one other thing I want to highlight, you're talking the NFC. The NFC in 2020, right? After 10 weeks. The Eagles were number one in the division, three, five, and one. The Giants were second at three and seven. Washington and the Cowboys were two and seven. Now, after ten weeks in twenty twenty two, so two years later, the Eagles are eight and one. Giants are seven and two. Cowboys are six and three, and Washington's five and five. They went from the NFC least to the NFC beast. <laughs> and the divisions everyone thought were going to be awesome, like AFC West, they thought it was going to be all these only two teams on five hundred. It's really just again. I think I said the Chiefs are going to be the worst. They're clearly the best team in the division. Yeah, um, I mean, I was then, very high in the Raiders. I have the worst team in the division, two and seven. <laughs> Raiders Broncos, horrible. Yeah, three and six for the and Broncos. Just, they got to fire the coach. Five and I four. Mean, yeah, he'll be gone. He'll be gone. Hey, uh, Staley, he'll be gone. Uh, and then what? NFC NFC West. Two teams on five hundred again. They, they're Arizona good, four and six. Rams three and six. 49ers five and four. Seahawks five, six and four. What do you the think? The Niners, I think, are good. I think they're good. The, Ram, the, the Niners are good. What do you think terrible. of the Rams? I think they should fire the coach. McVay's terrible. McVay isn't. I, I told you already <laughs> about this. I know you don't like McVay. You can't give him credit for all the wins and no no blame for the losses. I give him a little blame for the loss. I'm not saying it's only on him, but at the end of the day, a I mean. A little blame. I if he gets some. a little blame for the loss, he only gets a little credit for the win. Uh, hey, he made the Super Bowl. At, he won the Super Bowl thirty six. Was high at thirty one. Very impressive. Yeah, you think he was out there running routes for Cup? Cooper Cup. He's running He's a former wideout at uh, U Miami, Ohio. So Matt guy. He's a Matt guy. He knows Mid American Conference football, baby. Uh, but that, I like him. I don't mind McVay. He's a good coach. He knows the game well. Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, Matt Stafford. Who's the other wide receiver they brought in? Hey, Odell, uh, Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson, who I don't think was good. But Here's the thing about McVay. I'm gonna Higby, they've got plenty of guys. They just Here's the thing about McVay, though. He won the Super Bowl, the youngest head coach ever to win a Super Bowl, 36 years old. 36 years old. I mean, that wasn't impressive. the youngest roster to win, though. I mean, he has Aaron Donald. He has yeah, all these I, guys. I, I they're all, they're all wise, veterans. Though. It was a veteran-laden team. Even um, Stafford there was – he had a whole career in Detroit and then comes in and – Maybe like McVay a, made him because he didn't do any of that in Detroit. I know no, Detroit had nothing no, around no, no, him, but no, 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 no. maybe no, McVay made him a Super quarterback. All-time passing yards. Look at him this year, though. He's not having a great no. year. Leading the league in picks? He never. He wasn't leading the league in picks in Detroit. Yeah, but right now he's having a bad year. And this year. Right now he's having a bad no, year. Last year he led the league in picks. He did. I know he did. But this year he's having a bad year. Eight touchdowns, eight picks. So McVay made a guy. But McVay well, made a Super Bowl quarterback, my point. He made a Super Bowl quarterback. You know, he won the Super Bowl last well, year. I don't think that. It's Cooper Cup. Cup's a big, big reason, too. Um, so obviously. I mean, it was probably the best season a receiver has had since, like, Randy Moss got 23 touchdowns. Yeah, he had a great game. You could argue it's better because you could get 10 grabs a game. Moss was like, you know, 4-5. He was Super Bowl MVP, right? I think he was. Yes. I think he was. Odell had a touchdown that game too. Where do you think Odell signs? I'm going to the Giants. I'm stamping that in. That's my prediction. Odell coming back home to the Giants. Linda Collins came back home. Not as big as a return than Odell will be, though. Odell Beckham. Whoever's going to pay him the most, you think the Cowboys? I don't know. It's about money. He already got his payday from the Giants. Yeah, but NFL is such a short-lived career. You, you got to cash in. I don't. Do you think he's saving it? Looks like he's buying jewels. Yeah, he's buying a lot of stuff. But <laughs> I think he's coming back to the Giants. I think he's coming back home. Uh, maybe. Yeah, 
I, I don't know. You probably know where the best fit for him is. I, I would not want him on my team. Personally. Oh, come on. You, you don't think he's going to love him coming back? too much of an ego. I would not want him on the Patriots. It would be live. Everyone would be talking about that for a week if he went back to the Giants. Colin Coward, Stephen A. Is they're going to talk about it for a week no matter where he goes. I mean, he could go to the – who's the worst team in the league? <laughs> worst team in the league right now, record-wise, uh, is Houston. One Houston, yeah. He'd go to Houston. They'll talk about it for a week. The Raiders are two and sevens next. Ugh. Ugh. So. Brutal luck there. That, that was a bad prediction. They go for first pick. Pretty close. What are the Broncos have three wins? Broncos are three and six, not too far back. Rams are three and six. The Saints Oof. are three and seven. Jacksonville's three and seven. Jacksonville, honestly, they could have won more games than they've got. Yeah, but Jacksonville, I mean, they've had a tough run of it. So. Three and seven's not bad though for them. And Trevor Lawrence is oh, showing and some it's progress. It's not like one score games. They're not getting blown out by people. Hey, I want to ask you this question immediately. They should go into support. Arrowhead last week, and they actually put up a good game. Kicker missed two field goals. Yeah. If you make those two field goals and score a two point conversion, you're down by three. Like you can't yeah. be missing forty yard field two forty yard field goals. That's those should be gimmies. I'm with you. Uh and I want to ask this question. You're starting franchise today, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, who are you picking? Oh, Lawrence. All Lawrence day. all day. I'm with you. Lawrence all day long. All day. <laughs> I don't know who I would take over Lawrence for the next ten years. I think he's set up to win for the future. I think people were down on him after a bad rookie year because he had no offensive line. Had Urban Myers as head coach doing stuff. Urban Myers and all coach. That. I mean, kicking oh. plays and stuff. And he kicked, uh, you know, that backup kick or whatever in the back, whatever he did. Yeah. Uh, it's also just not a franchise that the owners put that much money into. Like, it's not the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. There's not as much care in Jacksonville, too. No one cares in Jackson, right? There's no franchise, really. No one really cares that much in the city. No. No. You know, so uh, I, I would take Trevor Lawrence over Herbert as well. He's shown a lot of progress this year. Uh, if you look at his stats, I mean, imagine if he had Trevor Lawrence on Miami right now. He oh, could yeah. hum the ball seven yards to Hill and Waddle. It would be, be unreal. I don't know if Miami would lose the game. <laughs> I don't know if they would either. I mean, he's having a great year. 13 touchdowns uh, total with six picks. Uh, has a game-winning drive in the fourth quarter, which is pretty good. Fourth quarter comeback. Uh, has one game-winning drive. 89.7 passer rating, which is a lot better than last year. Obviously, you get Christian Kirk. That makes a difference. Kirk's having yeah, a great Yeah, Christian Kirk was like the third receiver on his team. He I mean, was. They didn't They didn't bring in Jerry Rice. No, they did. 52 catches, 679 yards, seven touchdowns, though. Uh, obviously, Lawrence likes him, though. Yeah. Lawrence yeah, likes him, yeah. though. And then uh, your boy... Uh, and a lot Charles of these guys, like Allen, they got him digs. All of a sudden, he's... You know, started putting up great numbers. Burrow has T. Higgins and Chase. He's putting up. And then he you, puts up yep. numbers. And then you look Tua at the opposite. Gets Hill and Waddle, and these guys turn it around when the pressure's off you. You know, you have to make one pass. The receiver takes it down the field rather than you know throw it to him seven times. Yes. No, Chase Burrow, one hundred percent. Just like you said, Tua Tyreek Hill. Uh, but the same can be said the opposite Cup way. Cup for Stafford. Cup for Stafford. Exactly. You could say the opposite way too, though. Rogers loses Adams. It's the same exact thing. You need number one. Yeah, look, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's just that's just how it goes, obviously. But uh, obviously, see what happens there. Uh, you gave it, you gave your predictions uh, for that game. Uh, what about the Giants this weekend against Detroit? What's your predictions of that game? You gave predictions of the Patriots. I, I think the Giants. Giants are just a better team, right? I mean, they should they should win that game. I'll go um, Giants 31-20. Okay, close one. Do you think a close one? Okay, well, they yeah, I think it's close. If if two teams run a lot, it's gonna use more clock. The Giants. The line's only three. The Giants only favored by three, so I guess you're not too far off. Is it is they on the road? Uh, Giants are on the road, I believe. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, Giants at home. The Giants are home. Oh wow! Home. Three point. Three point at home. Hmm. 
I think they are. Mm, oh. inter- interesting game. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I know you're probably... Interesting game to put some money on, maybe. No. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, I, I know you're a big uh, Travis Etienne guy, so I'm sure you're happy with seeing the Jags, uh, you know, getting him healthy, and he's playing great. Uh, DeAndre Swift, too. Two of, you, two of your boys there. You're big fans of both. Both have good years. Uh, Swift's just hurt. <laughs> Swift's had a good year besides the injuries, though. I know. They just haven't given him the ball much, but eh, maybe this maybe this week. Uh, let me make sure it is the Giants at home. Yes, the New York Giants are at home, 1 o'clock on Sunday. Uh, so that'll be a good game to watch. The Giants pages to play in at one against the Jets, so we gave both our predictions there. Uh, anything else you want to add in about the NFL before we do some quick-hitting uh, questions? Hmm. Who's your new Super Bowl favorite? Okay, that's tough. This is where it's tough because at the end of the day, there's a lot of mediocre in the NFL this year, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. We came into the NFL this year. Thinking, Nobody's head and shoulders above the, the rest of the league. No one. No one is. I mean, there's a lot of mediocre between quarterbacks. There's a lot of quarterbacks that were in our top 10 that would no longer be in our top 10. Matt Ryan, Derek Carr, uh, Matt Stafford, Russell Wilson wasn't in mine, but I know a lot of people had him in their top 10. Uh, that's that's four quarterbacks right there that top 10 quarterbacks a lot of people had in that aren't top 10 quarterbacks. Yes, Aaron Rodgers, brutal year. Tom Brady having a tough year even. Uh, let me think, though. Oh, that's tough. If I had a pinpoint right now who I think is going to win the Super Bowl, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. Who do you got? Yeah. Mm. Bills? <sighs> tough call. I guess I guess Bills, if they have a little adversity now, that won't be bad. But I don't think it's the same lock that everyone thought it was after week one. Yeah, this is hard. You know what? Maybe... <sighs> Maybe the Bengals. I mean, they just made it there. It it could be them. They've had some struggles, though. Yeah, this is tough. I don't know. I mean, the Bengals. Yeah, they've been struggling. They're five and four, though, so they're still in the playoff. Bengals uh, defense uh, is a little underrated. No, someone's chiming in here saying the Vikings. I'm not the a Vikings believer. eight and one. I'm not a believer in the Vikings. Hey, they eight and one. They're up in that division by five games on Green Bay. Four and a half games. I think the Bucks would beat the Vikings in the playoffs. I don't know. I don't know, Tom Brady's team. I actually, uh, here's a bold You want a bold prediction? Let's hear it. Everyone tune in Thanksgiving night when the Patriots go into Minnesota and beat the bag out of the Vikings. <laughs> hey, what are the chances? I just got text about something. It's, 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 uh, I'm not going to tell you who. What are the chances the Los Angeles Rams turn the season around, go back to the Super Bowl? Zero. Zero. Hey, they're still not eliminated. Three and six. What are the chances McVay turns no, no, the season no. around? <laughs> None. Cooper Zero. comes out. Team's out. Four weeks. Done. Four weeks. Um, I, if I didn't give a matchup right now, I, I would go. San Francisco. I think San Francisco is uh, possibly the best team in uh, the NFC. They're 5-4, though. I bet I know record-wise. Yeah, 5-4, well, yeah. but, but so are the Patriots. Are you Chiefs-Niners? Is that your Super Bowl matchup right now as of now? Niners-Bills, maybe. Nine is Bills. Okay, I'm going to go Chiefs. And I'm going to mix it up a little bit. And I had faith in them before. I still have faith in the Giants. Giants. Chiefs, Giants, Super Bowl. Chiefs, That's Giants. That's my prediction. They're 7 2 right now. Playing that is, this that week is and Chiefs. Hopefully going rematch to of what, like three years ago? 2020. That's yeah. going to be, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then obviously that 2021 Super Bowl uh, was a tough one, uh, obviously, uh, for my boy uh, Mahomes. That was Mahomes. Yeah, yeah, Mahomes, no, Bucks, no right? Mahomes yeah, Bucks. No, no touchdowns. Brady got Super Bowl win that year. But uh yeah, so that's your prediction. That's my prediction there. Um we'll move on really quick. One last segment before we do our uh best Thanksgiving foods and stuff. One more thing. Okay, okay. All right, we'll we'll get into that. So top while while we're talking right now, think top three best Thanksgiving foods and number one that's either overrated, you're not a big fan of, you don't get the hype. 
so oh. if you want to give that now, you can. We can, we can do it now and then finish with Devis. What do you want to do? Oh, De- go to quick Devis. All right, Devis, Bogots, Red Sox, offseason. Evaldi's a free agent. Devis is, is one year left on his deal. Bogots a free agent. Michael Walk is a free agent. Uh, obviously, there's some big free agents in the MLB. Trey Turner, who we don't really have a chance at, but he's one of them. Aaron Judge, Jake, Jacob DeGrom, Carlos Rodon, Justin Verlander. What's the number one priority for the Red Sox this offseason? Is it signing Bogots and Devis, which I think it is, or is it signing one of them, probably Devis to an extension, letting Bogots walk, because that's what I think they're going to do, and then pay a number one pitcher? What do you think it is? Yeah, it's got to be pitching for next year's team, but what I would – yeah, it's got to be pitching, I think. Of all these agents. In so, terms of, like, individual player, because um, I'm not quite as familiar with the MLB, like, landscape, it's, it's got to be Devis. I mean – if they squander uh, Xander, you know, they're talking about him like they really want him. They let Bell Xander all year and then let him go. You're just going to expect the same thing to happen with Devers. So they have to lock him in, sign and him. Ball him and you got to go, make, yeah. you got to print somebody's face on these season tickets, right? You're right. If they so still sell any. What you're saying is if they lowball Devers, just like they lowballed Bogots, then you end up losing him to free agency, basically, because now he's a free yep. agent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. I would agree with you. Well, I don't, you know what, too, I think. At some point, ownership has to sort of step in because the seat's got to be getting warm on High and Bloom. The team went to the ALCS, what, last year, then this year. They don't even make the playoffs. That's right. a huge. That's a huge regression. It is. And you were and supposed to supposedly added to the team. Like, last in the division. You brought in Story. And, yeah. Oh, terrible. You brought in Story, Michael Walker had a good year. And a, a yeah, and it's not like your, your farm system didn't get rated any higher. And all no, the best players are Dombrowski guys. Dombrowski's <laughs> and now Dombrowski's about to take Xander Bogarts. You're right. You never know. Series again. He actually might. You're not wrong about that. Is that your prediction? <laughs> Bogarts to Philly? That's a chance. Yeah, I think so. All right. That's not, that's not a bad prediction. I hope he stays on the Sox, but, I mean, Dombrowski Dude. goes and gets his guys. He says, I want guys who I know are good. He wants to win now. That's why I love Dombrowski. He doesn't care about any prospects. He wants to Seriously. win now. He wants to win now. I love Dabrowski. Even, even when he's not carrying over prospects, he's still picking all the guy, the top-rated guys in our system. Bayo, Cassis. Oh, yeah. These guys are all Dabrowski guys. They are. They are. Devin so is a Dabrowski you guy. rip him for saying he destroys the farm, but yet the best pieces in our farm system right now are Dabrowski guys. You're right. Rather than all the double-A guys we trade for every single trade. And, and Heim Bloom trades everyone for prospects, but it's like they don't seem to – who do we get? He picked like the fourth pick overall in the draft. I mean, good for him. I right. think you and I go pick that guy. <laughs> uh, here's my prediction for a Devis contract. Seven years, $33 million, $231 million. How would you feel about that? Yeah, I was thinking, what is it, 10 and 300? 30 yeah, I, you could do, yeah, you could do 10 for 300. I did seven for 33, so 231 a year. But uh, if you made it 10 for 33, it'd be 330, 330 total. 100 million less, though, uh, is what I went with. I went seven years around the time. Right. Uh, but uh, you're not wrong, though. Yeah, a lot of the guys we have in our farm system that he drafted, Blue, we could both draft. They had the fourth pick in the draft. Everyone would have taken Marcel Lamai because he was supposed to be the first pick in the 2021 MLB draft. Everyone would have taken him. So, yeah, I'm with you. The, the one thing I don't like on the Devers, the one thing that kind of grinds my gears is he's playing third base now. He does, I mean, from what I can tell and when I watch, he does just fine in the field. He might not be Gold Glove, Bill Miller, or whatever out there, but. He's got this unbelievable power bat. He's got a huge clutch factor. He hits off the best pitching in the league, and yet they they send him contract offers like, well, we project you to be this. Yeah. Like, well, that's not what he is right now, and he's already won a World Series. He's young. He pop- I don't get it. It's like, well, we, we project you somewhere, 
but the yeah. cap, everything's going to go up. Like a thirty million dollar contract in five years is going to be just fine for yeah. a first baseman. Like I, I don't know. A power salaries first keep baseman. going up. I don't get it. That's my prediction. It. And it, it's like, well, then stick him at first base right now and go get a third baseman. Right? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. I'm with you. Then for Bogots, my value right now for him is six years, twenty eight million. You probably chew a year or two of that deal. Uh, at 168 million overall, I'm not sure where he's going to sign, but I think that's where he's going to be valued at. Six years, 28 million at 168 total. Yeah, yeah. Let's see what happens there. Um, so now we'll move on to our last segment: top three Thanksgiving foods. I'll give you my top three. So let you think for a second. Uh, my top three yesterday: uh, number one was stuffing. Number two was mashed potatoes. And then I went number three, vanilla pudding, uh, cream pie. You know my mom makes? Uh, the vanilla pudding pie with the whipped cream. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that's top uh, three. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just have a dessert as honorable mention. I'm going turkey gravy stuffing. And if gravy doesn't actually count, then... Well, I gravy counts. Ooh, I guess... Uh, Crescent rolls. This... No. Squash. Um... Nope. Peas. I would say mashed potatoes, but there's a thing. What's it called? It's like sweet potato casserole. It's got yeah. like candy pecans on top. It's heat. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're a big heat. fan of casserole. Yeah. Um, and then most overrated, or one that you're not a fan of that other people like. I went with yams yesterday. Uh, but what do you what do you think? I don't even think I eat that on Thanksgiving. No, but people have um, it. One that you don't want to eat on Thanksgiving. I don't know. It could be anything. One that's overrated. I think yams. I'm not. Everyone in my family likes yams. I don't. No, you, okay, people eat zucchini pie around my house. I'm not a big cheese guy. So yeah, I'd probably go with that. Not for me. Yeah, it could be one that you don't like, one that's overrated, one that you think's all right, but everyone overhypes. It could be one that's that that's okay. Uh, okay, no real that. cheese guy. I respect that. Um, and then we had a couple other good questions yesterday. We did sports movies with you last week, uh, which is pretty fun. Obviously, it was a pretty good way to end that show. Um, I got to think of one more. We're gonna end with a good question here. One last debate. Uh, one good one. Let me think. We did we, yesterday with James Hosey was in here, right, live in the studio. Uh, we did best movie about New York or, you know, you know, in or around what, you know, if the, it can be even the Sopranos of your show about New York, based New York, whatever it is. My number one was a Bronx tale, uh, but the Sopranos are in there too. Definitely. Uh, what do you think? The yeah, Sopranos is like New Jersey, like, technically. So. Yeah. Technically Jersey in that area, I guess, but yeah, uh, uh, I went a Bronx tale. John, I don't know if you've seen it, but a great movie. Robert De Niro. Yeah, that Love that movie. Hmm. Best New York movie? Yeah, that one's good. Show? Is that the one where it's like, yeah, Mickey Man won't pay your rent? Yes, yeah. Mickey yeah, Mantle yeah. doesn't give a damn about you, so why should you give a damn about him? Yeah. That's an unreal movie. I love that movie so much. That was my number uh, one. Where's Goodfellas take? Is that Jersey too? I think they show New York City in it, so I think it counts. I think it might be. Yeah, yeah I think it's NYC. Yeah, I like, I like Goodfellas. Goodfellas was filmed in East 60th. Street. And they give a little uh, shout out to BC, yes. uh, BC basketball point shavings. Game. They do. Yeah, it's filmed in New York. So it's either filmed in New York or about New York. It can be either one. It's really just a general question. Uh, so that's pretty cool. That's good. Uh, so then you gave your Thanksgiving uh, picks there too. I'll be in the studio maybe next Tuesday night anyway. So maybe have you want again before. But I don't want to hold up uh, any more of your time. But uh, thank you so much, Mike, as always, for coming on. I appreciate it. Obviously, the bees are a big game against the Flyers. So we'll hopefully get you the win. Uh, but as always, a pleasure having the sports guru come on. Yep. Thank you, Mike. Go you Go you Maine, baby. You made super fans. That's what we both are. We'll be back on talking you Maine again one day. Black Bear Nation. Black Bear Nation. We're super fans now, are we not? Absolutely. Hey, money line all day. That's all I gotta say. Money line. I should have all been money line. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm with it. I'm with it. Next time, though, we'll, we'll be there. But anyways, Mike, always a pleasure having you come on. The sports guru, the best in the business. Thank you, Mike. All right. Good talking. Have good a good show. One. Happy Thanksgiving. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Happy Thanksgiving. See you. There you have it. The sports guru, Mike Hurley, coming on live on air. As always, a pleasure having him come on and talk in sports. The kid knows I mean, He comes on. We talk Bruins, talk Red Sox, talk Patriots, talk for the NFL as a, as a whole, talk for MLB free agency. Talked about BC football. Talked even a little uh, You Made Basketball, BC basketball. Talked about all that in there in that one, you know, 25, 35, 45-minute window there. Uh, it was probably about an hour overall, but he came on. We talked everything except college football, which we did talk college football with BC. Uh, and obviously, Notre Dame, we did talk about our predictions for the college football playoffs. So we'll hold that maybe for next week, uh, next Tuesday, have him come on uh, and give some talk about that. Uh, so one last update uh, on the MAC football games. Give you guys a rundown of scores, and then I'll call it a night. Central Michigan currently up right now. That snowball up 10 to 7 over Western Michigan with 11 minutes to go. Eastern Michigan improving to 7 to 4 in the year and Kent State dropping to 4 and 7, losing 31 to 24 was Kent State to Eastern Michigan. And then Miami, Ohio improving to 4 and 6 on the year or 5 and 6 on the year now actually getting this win. Uh, and now have a chance at a bowl game. If they win next week, Miami, Ohio uh, will be playing Ball State next week, who is also 5 and 6. Uh, both those teams will be playing for a chance at a bowl game. So very impressive win for Miami, Ohio, obviously, uh, getting that win tonight, 29-23 over Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois finding themselves at 3-8 and eight on the year. And then one last thing I want to make sure I get right was Kent State falling on the year 2-4-7 and seven, and Eastern Michigan jumping up 2-7-4. So Kent State's bowl chances are down. As for Central Michigan, they're staying alive, and right now they're currently finding themselves up by three with 10 minutes to go, keeping their bowl chances alive against Western Michigan. Anyways, thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. And just want to give a quick shout out uh, to everyone listening. Thank you guys always for taking the time. Auntie Lisa, the whole Loftus family, the whole O'Malley family, Maureen, Timmy, Lisa, my parents, all my family, Mike Hurley, Sports Guru, uh, all my siblings. Thank you guys so much. As always, for taking the time to listen. Uh, it does mean a lot to me. Thank you to the uh, Keith family as well. Uh, means a lot having you guys always listen in. Uh, I wouldn't be doing this show without you guys. So thank you guys. Hope you guys have a good one. Hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving. I'll be on anyways, probably before Thanksgiving, but I'm saying it just in case. Probably Tuesday night uh, at 7 o'clock. I will be on here at 7, 8 o'clock, hopefully, uh, breaking down the last week of sports. Thank you guys, as always, for taking the time to listen to this. I appreciate it. And hope you guys have a good night. Thank you.